Welcome to Real History, uh, where we take films that are, or television, or even at some point we'll do books, <laughs> that are and based games. in... <laughs> and games that are based in history, um, but obviously fictionalised. And we debate the fiction versus the history in these texts. My name's Hugh David. I am your co-host and co-producer. With me is the other co-host and co-producer, Jenna Pateman. And today we are looking at, uh, even though you will hear this in a couple of weeks, we're looking at what feels very appropriate to us right now, which is um, the recent BBC miniseries from 2017, Gunpowder. Mm Mm-hmm. And I say it's appropriate because we're recording this in early November. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like the right time. Yes. Um, so where shall we start, Jenna? Shall we start with... Uh, let's, let's do this slightly differently. Normally I say to you, tell me what the, film, what the period of history is about. Mm. So today I'm going to flip this on its head. I'm going, to talk, I'm going to tell everyone what the TV show is about. Yes. And then we'll go to the history. Shall we do that? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, because it, this because this was a big publicity splash in 2017 because the star it was and co- huge. yeah, and the star and the co-producer and the face on the main image and the man who uh, was testing out his production company by doing this as his first production is the famous Kit Harrington. Oh. Yes, <laughs> be- beloved of, by, by by ladies and gentlemen's gentlemen everywhere. <laughs> Many uh, housewives go, oh. and, and, and <laughs> m- yes, and I'm sure there's a few house husbands too doing that. Yes. Um, uh, th- so Kit Harrington, for those who are who don't watch Game of Thrones, is famous because he's one of the star, been one of the stars of Game of Thrones, and in a show in which people regularly meet their death, he somehow managed to survive for eight, nine years it was on eight years nine years it was on television well spoilers but never mind well meh you know this, we're doing a history podcast it's all spoilers uh, so as far as I can um, if, if you're coming to this podcast we have a big warning on the, we should have a big warning on the page I'll make sure it goes yeah spoilers um, for everything um, but the thing is Harrington spoilers for Guy Fawkes uh... yeah Harrington is one of several um British performers in the show who's become quite famous because of that show but has been looking for uh, projects outside of the show knowing that the end of it would come Mm. and Richard Madden for example did very well last year with Bodyguard Mm. Um, uh, Natalie Dormer was already doing quite well before she was in Game of Thrones so you know she's had various parts since Um, uh, you know there's a number of performers Sophie Turner had a regular spot in the X-Men do you know what I mean there's a number of performers who've managed to build a career outside and I think with Harry, Kit Harrington was quite explicit with Gunpowder this was a personal project because he's directly related to Robert Catesby yeah. who is the man, the mastermind behind the Gunpowder plot and he and so it's a family thing and also uh, and there's also a distinct resemblance yes which is interesting in the casting it's not often you and I are reviewing something where there is genuine physical resemblance um, and uh, but also he wanted to test the waters with his own production company Daniel West who plays Thomas Percy is also a producer on the show and a developer of the as credited, given co, co-developer credit so I reckon the two of them must be in the company together mm. uh, this is obviously an attempt to do something you know quite cinematic for television for British television quite extravagant yes. they hire a, a, a young feature director Jay Blakeson who's well known for the uh, kidnap thriller The Disappearance of Alan's Creed which was a snappy little thriller that he did uh, several years back but he's also done some horror as well and you can see why they picked him for this but at any rate, the, the the show got a lot of publicity, but it was also very controversial because of that horror element. It's, yes. it, it does not shy away from the brutality of the period in terms of punishments. Um, but also, it is deliberately creating a very sinister atmosphere. Mm. 
Um, uh, you know, and and it also sees the return to television once again of of writer Ronan Bennett, who's been writing um, wonderful material since the nineties, early nineties, I think, late eighties, early nineties. Northern mm. Irish um, scribe, who also I should point out has a PhD in history, I believe. Um, and he, uh, yes, and 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 I think he's I think he's a really interesting choice for this because uh, to write this because he's somebody who grew up during the 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 conflicts in Belfast and mm. he has personal experience of those. He's written about them before. He's written about um, terrorism before with regards to um, his movie his TV movie Nine Eleven that he did with the, the late great Antonio Bird. Yeah. Um, and he's also responsible for one of my favourite British crime movies of all time with Robert Carlyle, which is called and and um, uh, oh, who's the other one in it with Carlyle? Oh, my brain's just gone. Anyway, it's called Face. It was magnificent. So Bennett's an interesting guy to get to write this. He understands groups of men getting together to do a crime. He understands Ooh. Catholics and Protestants in conflict. He understands that when it's a government-led. Issue versus people on the ground trying to plot. You know, he's he's really the right person to write Mm. it. And yet, and yet, I reached the end of the three hours and I was not a hundred percent satisfied. So that's my feeling on the show Um, and and the making of it. And and to be honest, when you look at the reviews, you can see a lot of people felt the same way. Yeah. Now, before we get into the history, just briefly, what did you think of it? I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I can see what you um, you mean, and also the fact of it's very much riding on the to- uh, coattails of um, Game of Thrones because it yes. felt like it. Although you can understand why the violence is in there mm-hmm. because it is to raise the stakes, the violence seems to be gory for gory's sake as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's and also there's a couple of elements that are obviously definitely embellished and added, and mm-hmm. which kind of take you out of the moment, especially if you know a bit about the era. Yeah. At the same time, they do actually manage to add some little bits that some people might have not known, like whether or not um, King James the First was homosexual or bisexual, at least. Yes. Um, and Which many don't... many commentators now think is the case. Yeah. Mm. Um, and but they don't pers- they, they don't state it out loud that that's no. what's going on. It's just you it's can ha- read it either way. It's handled quite well, I thought. Yeah. And so... I and I thought the the, the, the casting in the court was pretty decent. Mm. Um, although at this point is I get the impression Mark Gattis Gattis is trying to um, tick off as many possible period villain roles as he can yes. across his <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, he, uh, he must know. have got such a crick in his neck from the hunch, to, doing the hunchback yeah well so, his version of yeah because Robert Cecil of course so so this is the thing you and I are talking about people we know but yeah and and yes the gunpowder plot is is meant to be a key part of the British history curriculum in high school at the moment so so our listeners ought to be familiar with it but let's 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 do what we do in this podcast and we'll get into this and let's clarify who everyone is and get into yes. the history um so if we start uh when Queen Elizabeth died um which was the last of the Tudors they they had had a period of 
not peace because there was Spanish Armada, but there was stability. Stability. That's probably the right word. Um, they come just from the reign of Queen uh, Mary, mm-hmm. and before that, Queen uh, King Edward, and then King Henry VIII, who was kind of the person that started this all off. Uh, because if you remember, we spoke about the other bowling girl. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of decided to go away from Catholic Rome and start his own church, or Church of England, which obviously to many Catholic people, they didn't really like. Um, this continued through the reign of King Edward, and then uh, Queen Mary, who was Catholic, went, nope, we're going back to Catholicism, um, Catholicism even. Mm-hmm. And then when Queen Elizabeth took back over, it went back to Protestantism. Um, so... And then under her, there was the longest period of peace, yes. relative peace that England had had in some time, but that was bought at a certain cost. Yes. And the cost was that the extreme ends of, of religion, be they Protestant or Catholic, were not really tolerated. No. Hence why you get people who are on the um, more, more radical end of Protestantism leaving for America. Yeah, and you get uh, you get a, a the development by Walsingham, um, who is the Queen's spymaster. You, you get the development of the British, the, what we what effectively is a form of the British Secret Service in, in in sort of embryonic form, and a massive network of informers and agents to try and protect Britain because there is the under, the recognition that with all the con- conflicts on the continent between Catholicism and Protestantism, there is the potential for not simply war on a large scale with a Catholic nation, such as the, with Spain, but there is also the potential for terrorism. Yes. And so I think, and this is why I mentioned that somebody who'd grown up and lived in, in Northern Ireland was possibly an ideal person to write yes. this. Because sometimes when you're trying to discuss the gunpowder plot here in Britain, um, it can be quite hard to get across the what it must have felt like to be there at the time and to be aware that you you're, you you cannot speak about certain things publicly for fear of someone betraying you to an agent of the crown. You, yeah. you the the punishments are severe. I mean, if you are a playwright like like William Shakespeare, who is alive at this time, or one of his colleagues, Christopher Marlowe, whoever, if you are a playwright and you Say so you have a performer say something in a play that gets that is uh, that the crown is unhappy with, and it gets back to the crown. You could find yourself in court, in prison, and then possi- quite possibly severely physically punished, like with the removal of your tongue or an yes. ear or fingers, as a permanent injury to remind you you shouldn't have done that but also to yeah. prevent you doing it again. This is a time where cruelty is 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 both can seen as a big part of nature because there's a lot of things that happen to people that we, they can't explain and so people die, you know child death and childbirth is a normal part of the english of, of life generally you know mm. people do not you know, the, the 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 average length of of one's life be you man or woman is not high um no. um and so forth and so on you know this is this you could you don't know that what you can't always be sure that what you're eating is 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 going to you know is not going to do something terrible to yeah. you. Yeah, the you reason know. beer was the most drunk liquid. Yes, because yeah. at least you, it, something had been done to it. So, and that's the other thing: if people are drinking a lot of booze, then that means a lot of things are being done while drunk. 
yeah. I think this is important. And why? You know? Yeah. No, but I think it's really yeah. important because when when I when I was at school, that was that went unmentioned. Mm. You know, people seem to make big extreme decisions, and it was always put down to, oh, that ca- that person was. You know, we we believe this historical figure to have been passionate. Mm. Or, or under the throes of emotion. At no point did we say they have been drinking nothing but alcohol since they got up. Yeah. Which we now know is quite likely in several cases. And also they met, uh, the big meeting happened at a pub as well. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, yes. the, 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 that's the other thing. I mean, the, 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 you know, pubs are a part and parcel of British life and have yes. been consistently. Um, where else are you going to meet for... You know, this is this is before this is be- just before the era of the coffee shop. You know, mm. the coffee shop will take off subsequently in the Stuart eras. I mean, it, it's on its way, but um, you know. So yes, yeah, so it's an interesting time, and as you say, with Elizabeth, Elizabeth under Elizabeth comes stability, and then when she passes away, which is where this series begins, yes. um, she leaves behind no heir. Yes, because she was married to the nation of England. Yes. As she put it. Yes. So, so never took a husband, never had a child. Um, nowadays, there is speculation that she may not have been able to, biologically. Yeah. There is speculation that... There, there is a lot of speculation that the, vir, the vir, being called the Virgin Queen was not a reference to the lack of sex or the hymen, mm. but it was potentially um, the fact that she had a very, very narrowed pelvic region Ooh. that made it painful that made sex difficult and painful and certainly would have made childbirth potentially impossible again yeah. this is modern sort of archaeological science and spe- and and some speculation all tied together you know we'll never know for sure yeah. but she used she certainly it's not like she didn't know what it was all about it's not like she didn't use the possibility of marriage as a diplomatic tool well sorry it's something in your cardinal you you would use it so yes um, and she was very good at using it yes and so, I mean, you could potentially oh. argue that the Spanish Armada is um, one you know, the ultimate in jilted anger. Yes, <laughs> you still won't marry me. Fine, I'm going to invade. <laughs> and then they sail along, and they can't. There's a massive storm. Yes, and they're they, sad. <laughs> yeah, and and Britain goes, look, God protects us. Yes, um, everything is always gone. Look, God likes us. Whoop whoop. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so all of that said, um, so this means that when a decision has to be made now, at this point, um, the mo- arguably the most potentially Machiavellian of of the ministers, who the man I mentioned earlier, Lord Walsingham, the the spymaster, he is dead, mm-hmm. and so at this point, a lot of most uh, sources regard while there's a lot of you know, not back and forth and politicking between the various ministers and and nobles in the court. Most people would regard uh, Robert Cecil, yeah, who became Secretary of State, as the chief architect of the transition from Tudor to Stuart Britain. Yes, and in, he's the one played by Mark Gattis in the mm-hmm. Gattis Gattis. I always get that wrong. I can never be sure. Okay, in the in in Gunpowder, he's the one with the hunchback. Interestingly enough, his father was also a chief minister. His father raised mm. his sons uh, with knowing that at least one of them would would pick up after him. And while everybody 
both not just in childhood but even in adulthood in the court everyone um uh made fun of him for his physical deformity yes he was uh, also five feet tall Yes, uh, which Gettys clearly isn't. But, no. you know. um, but, but, but which is why they can't have the king calling him his friendly dwarf as he did in the. Yep. In, 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 in according to sources, but, um, but, but the thing is that he, despite that, his father recognised that he'd inherited the brains and the and the and the, and the, the mental acuity mm. to survive court, and therefore, you know, was was more than happy to encourage his education and, and put him forward to, to to the point where we see him in this. In this miniseries, as a man of incredible power and great forethought and consideration, and a man who is absolute, believes absolutely in the kingdom in Britain as a kingdom and in its the need for it to survive, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and the, and the need for a stability as well as protection of its shores, and so he's the one advocating for more serious laws against potential threats to the crowning is not least from those of a catholic persuasion he is the one who ha- is trying to find a middle ground by having brought down a relation someone who is familiarly linked to the tudors to rule and, and parliament has yes. agreed to it and that's uh that's um <clears throat> james the sixth of scotland who is yep. uh, james stewart who is james becomes james first of england and he is in addition to that uh himself is catholic yeah, he's the son of Mary Queen of Scots. Yes, which again is another important period of history in um, British history, basically, and in the reign of Queen Elizabeth. And I'm sure we'll look at the film that recently came out about that as well. So yes, at some point we will definitely do that. Yeah. And at some point, I just because I enjoy them, I know they're they're they're, they're mad, but I enjoy them. I want to do the Kate Blanchett Elizabeth films. Yes. Um, <laughs> Just because I want another excuse to watch Clive Owen be the, personally destroy the the, uh, the 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 basic Spanish fleet in the harbour, <laughs> <laughs> um, because you know what? Why not? I'm quite happy to, to to imagine that he did it personally and leapt from boat to boat, lighting up the bombs. Um, it's not like we have an actual record. No. <laughs> well, we kind of do. There's a, actually one one thing that fascinates me is the amount of um, is the the effort the way the navy preserved written records so there's a mm. there is a uh, an 1800s re so so in the in the in the victorian in the, in in the victorian era and just before that the british navy would make sure that any older material that was handwritten was rewritten for print so that they could preserve it further. Oh, cool. So there are accounts <clears throat> from sailors and officers on board the ships who during this whole period of the Amada era, right, mm. that were handwritten, which then the British Navy later on turned into print books. So you, and you can still access those. That's really cool. Yeah, because when I was educating myself on all of this, when I became a teacher, I did. Mm. I was. I read some first-hand accounts of the Amada. Yeah, from British Navy, and that's really fascinating. So I shouldn't say that we don't have a record. We probably actually do have some records. I was going to say this is the sort of history I grew up with. Like every year around uh, November the fifth, this history was brought out, and it was explained to me every single year. Mm-hmm. Well, for someone like yourself, you probably didn't. You wouldn't grown up with it like I did. So. Well, the first ten years of my life being here in Britain. Um, it was certainly as a kid, you know, you you know the rhymes, you go to you yes. go to you go to the bonfires, you you know it, it's part and parcel of English history. Um, 
so you know it as much as any primary school child knows it. Mm. Um, well, I left the country for secondary school, so at that point, interestingly enough, I actually did a lot more on... I mean, I did some of the English side of it, but I did a lot more on the European history of mm. this period, so I have some... I, it was never my favourite year at school, just so you know. Yeah. So I don't remember a lot, but I do know enough to to understand some of what's happening in in the Netherlands and Belgium, yeah, and 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 these and and the and Spain and Italy and, and because all of this impinges on, you know, what's happening in Britain. Yes, and 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 this is where I will give this television show credit. It's while it opens with an incre- a very long and I, I would argue over long sequence in which a Catholic or Catholic friendly family, noble family, are being are investigated, right, yeah. by a senior government official who is effectively seen as the big bad, one of the big bads in this version of uh of, of the tale yeah. um sir william wade in this case um uh he i mean he was english statesman and diplomat he was lieutenant of the tower of london so um mm. he, he'd be and he was more of an ambassador than anything um but he did he was involved in a number of very dark moments including he arranged the seizure of mary stewart's papers that implicated her in the babington plot yeah for example, um, and he was knighted under James the First, and he was employed in similar. He, uh, he basically from fifteen um, from during uh, from fifteen eighty seven onwards, he was he he became focused on hunting down Jesuits. Yes, and identifying plots against the Queen, and then under J- James used in the same way, which is why we see him in this role in the show. Now he. It's interesting because he was being lieutenant of the Tower of London meant that he was the person who questioned Guy Fawkes. So he that's that later part of the show is actually very accurate. Mm. Um, but obviously, this earlier part where he's personally involved in all of these investigations is maybe a little over the top. But nevertheless, it allows us to get a sense of the terror, the fear, the reckon, the, the, the 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 if if you've if you've seen a lot of um, World War Two films about that that look at the Jewish situation mm. in Europe and the lead up to the Holocaust. You will recognise this whole business of people trying to hide rituals and performances that matter for their religion. Yes. People trying not to say things that will give away the use of hidey holes and you know false walls and hiding in furniture. Yeah. It's all very recognisable, and Bennett and 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 Blakeson as a director make sure that they show you all of this. But the reason, I think, the reason it takes so long, is they want to show you that this is just how thorough and how far these people try the, these the, these government officials trying to you know track down Jesuits. This is because, of course, this is the thing. This is the other thing I need to explain. By the way, not everyone listening to our show will know what a, who or what a yes. Jesuit is. So the, the Jesuit order is a, a, a an order of monks who are widely regarded as the secret service of the Catholic Church. Now, there are yeah. a lot more than that. They are an order of monks. They're very they're, they're one of the oldest orders around. They're very, very... They're also one of the, the more severe ones, quite strict in terms of what they require their members to adhere to. Yep. But that has... But for centuries, they have also been regarded as some of the most loyal 
and reliable members of the Catholic Church, and therefore they've been employed as messengers, as diplomats, as and as spies. Mm. And so, this, hence the fo- hence um, Wade's focus on trying to um, find them, root them out, and get rid of them. Um, now, you know that opening sequence takes a long time. I think it's over long, but it does yeah. set the tone, and it does get you to understand just what it, how terrifying it must be that you have wealth and um, property, and yet the government can just charge in and threaten and investigate um and i think it uh, it gets that across very well um it gets across this sense of what it's like and why that why it's being done um and it also is interesting because i think a lot of these catholic nobles in britain were expecting the arrival of a catholic king from scotland to benefit them yeah um i think that's one of the biggest things that actually contributed to the plot was um oh, i can't remember his name but um I think it was Winters, mm-hmm. um, actually went up to Scotland before Queen Elizabeth passed and spoke to King James mm-hmm. about what would happen when he came to the throne. Mm-hmm. And now, King James was quite a diplomatic man. And especially before he took the throne, he didn't want to play either side. He'd just rather go, I'm in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the way mm-hmm. he talked to uh winters was it made it seem like when um he came down from scotland catholics would at least be tolerated they would be able to practice in peace obviously they wouldn't be the major religion Mm -hmm. but they would be able to go about their business they more like how we kind of treat religion now i would say like everyone kind of does their own thing that was kind of the hope, I yeah. think. Um, I think in practice, obviously, um, because of this desire to defend the king and be able, and and the throne and, and and to root out anybody who might threaten the stability of the kingdom, I think that led to that allowed certain people to extend their prejudices, yeah, quite far. Um, so yeah, and then you're right, there was a degree of attempted negotiation prior to him taking his seat in London, and even when he was down there, there was still a certain, a continued dialogue with with senior Catholic yeah, nobles and him. Yeah, he actually had a conference uh, that had equal number of Catholics and Protestants to mm. discuss it. I mean, yeah, just to emphasise your point that you're making with James, I mean, you know, he, when he came, comes down, becomes Pound 1603, uh, that that hope for sympathy towards Catholics in Britain is yeah. dashed because he puts new, stricter laws in place, which happens during the course of this miniseries. Yeah, um, he um, had actually downed the um, money that Catholics had to play. Mm-hmm. Um, because one thing that happened was that you were required to go to church, and this mm. is the Protestant uh, Church of England. Mm. Now, with that, uh, attendance was recorded, so there was a yeah. register. And if you didn't attend a certain amount of times, and there wasn't a good excuse, like you were literally bedridden or something, mm. um, you would have to pay a fine. Mm. And yeah. at one point, James I did lower these costs. Mm. Yeah. But then the Protestants kicked up a first and he went, oh, okay, back up and a little bit higher. Yeah, and you yeah. see um, Robert Caspi struggling with that because he's like... Oh, well, he's being 
pushed to bankruptcy. Yeah, in he's the, like, in the, well, in the what can we sell this time? And yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I, I mean, it's it, it, it's interesting because we're asked to sympathise with a nobleman selling off all this stuff that he has with, and and, and we're not looking at something that you and I know, which is that he's not alone. People, there are people far poorer than him. Yes. being asked to, spend, yeah, to pay money and fines as well. I think it's interesting that, you know, for the sake of this tale, we're focusing on them and we're not aware that this is, you know, Britain is quite, this is not, um, this is a Britain of, 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 of great extremes, you know, mm. there's a great, yes, the, the, technologically there's not a, lot, a huge gap between the poor and the rich, but, you know, quality of life is still noticeably different. Yeah. Um. To not in every area, obviously not in the, but but significant in in enough areas. Um. And I think I think let let me draw my attention to one thing that I think is quite important in this context. So the opening of the show, which became quite controversial, is following that opening twenty minute sequence in which they attempt to root out priests in um the Catesby household. Well, it's I I guess technically it's Anne Vaughan's household, yes. the character played by. Um, Liv Tyler, who in hist- historically was um, quite an important uh, noblewoman in that she provided safe haven and respite for Catholics of all types yes. um, in her property. Um, and um, and I th- I, Tyler does quite a good job, I think, with the role, even though, you know, it's very easy to go, oh, look, American there, so we can sell this to mm. America. But I, I, she genuinely, um, you know, does a... I mean, she's a good actress. She's always been a good actress. But it's, it's good, you know, I think she gets into the role quite nicely. But the thing is, the result of the opening scene is that the most senior female character in that moment, so Lady Dorothy Dibdale, played by Sean Weber, is yeah. then takes responsibility for who's in the house and is then arrested and we then see her brutally executed. Yes. And she's executed with a method that is described as crushing to death. However, yes. it's very important to note two things. First of all, this is invented for the show. Mm-hmm. Not the method, but the, the, the character and the death. Yes. Secondly, it is inspired by a real one, Margaret Clitheroe, which was well recorded, and that ha- but that happened under Elizabeth's reign. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting decision to adapt that scene and bring it in um, alongside the fact that the young priest who was caught at her house in the same scene is then hung, drawn, and quartered. Yeah. Um, which, which again, is not necessarily what they would have done to him straight away. Mm-hmm. You know that that the hung, being hung drawn cornered was reserved for treason, and he had you know, yes he was a, yes he was a, a Catholic priest, but he hadn't actually committed treason at that point. There were other options. I think it's inter- this is a decision by the show to this is where I think it turned off a lot of people, and this is where I think having a horror a director with experience in horror and thriller uh, films may have worked against it because mm. these deliberately dramatic, scary, gory opening scenes while relatively true to the period are pretty hard going yes <laughs> you know if you're here for your entertainment purposes <laughs> yes yeah, like, oh okay um right yes i'm going to see a middle-aged woman naked who then gets crushed to death slowly with a stone under her back yes mm. while praying yes um i mean it, i think dramatically i understand why the scene is there i just think that they'd already spent 20 minutes 
showing us the persecution. Yeah, they really... The persecution is what they really wanted to hammer home. Um, Yeah. Because I think for us now, it's... When we think of persecution, we don't really think of Catholic people because they're kind of under... For people that are Church of England and raised as Church of England, as I was, I'm not really anymore. Mm. Catholics are tolerated. Mm. I wouldn't say they're like out and out of love, but it's kind of... Oh, you're just another branch of Christianity. Okay, we believe the mm. same things. It's not like in Ireland where it's a bigger deal or it's... The Pope is still recognised as an important figure by Protestants as well mm. and stuff like that. It's. I think if someone was like, well, the Catholics tried to blow up the king, it would be like, why? Because mm, mm, they're mm. another branch of Christianity, so surely, yeah, yeah. But then, of course, you have to. But then, of course, you when you then explain to people that the the, the, the guy that we're burning every yes. is a Catholic mercenary, yeah. <laughs> then you kind of go, oh wait, hang on a minute. <laughs> around uh, November the fifth are really anti-Catholic, and mm-hmm. mm. it's. When you realise that, it's actually kind of alarming. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Growing up, I was like, yes, we're going to burn the guy on the uh, fire. Mm. That that makes perfect sense. And then when you realise what it actually is and representing, you're like, oh... oh I mean, don't, okay. get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. You, you know, it's, it, it's, it says something very interesting about the his- English history that yeah. this tradition continues to this day. You know, we haven't got rid of this tradition. It's it's quite an interesting piece of nationalism. Yes. To continue forward, it's not just nationalism; it's also royalism because you know this is specifically about someone who threatened the the, the monarchy. Yes. You know, it, there's a number of things woven into this. You're teaching children from a young age that those who threaten the monarchy deserve to be paraded through town and then burnt on a pyre. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> they used to uh, burn effigies of the Pope as well. Oh, of course, And also yes. the devil. Yes. Oh, it was it yeah. was a general throw everyone in. <laughs> everyone yes, we don't much. like as yeah, Oakens, like, yes. On yeah. you go. So, um yeah, and obviously fireworks joined it later, which made the yes. mood even more celebratory. Uh, mm. The important thing is that at this time of year, November is dark, it's wet, it's miserable. So adding a... Ho- I will put an abbreviated corner's holiday, mm. something to celebrate is kind of something that the general public will be like, yeah, we want to go stand around a bonfire, something that's nice mm. and warm, and go, yay, and mm. be patriotic for a bit. And Oh, no, yeah. I don't... Disp- yeah, I mean, if you think about it, this this is, you know, this is a ritual that predates things like... Like, obviously, you know, Remembrance Sunday wasn't around at that point. Yeah. You know, this this this, this predates that, but has has bears... Not not similar, but it it, it is similarly political... Shall we say yes. as a, as a as a holiday, and it has a similar and it's a similar moment of focus for people who are not part of, you know, government and rule and and all the various apparatus that attach to the execution of state function. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, also I think it's important that people understand that holidays are a political tool. Yes. 
you know, it, it, it is important to understand that the time we get off from work is very much linked to uh, politics. Um, but let, let's come back to a couple of things then, because we're now hitting the point where we need to start, start thinking about discussing yeah, real, think, real versus real. I and think we, and the Guy Green... Fawkes is something we can discuss for a very... Well, I say Guy Fawkes, the gunpowder plot. Um, yes, we can go on for ages. Yeah, because it is so interesting, and the historiographical issues around both are interesting like the fact of how much how often especially now during election season have you heard the phrase that oh guy fawkes was the last honest person to go into parliament uh, well it's certainly yeah. that's quite a pop there's an entire facebook group named after that yes. which is quite popular for and anarchists also with uh v for vendetta as well well and, well that yeah, yeah I, I think maybe you're right i think maybe at some point we should build an episode around two or three texts and connect yeah. them on that. So that mm. would be fun. Mm. Um, also because I want an excuse to do V for Vendetta in a history <laughs> podcast. Well, I, I, I'm, a mass, I'm a massive, massive fan of it because I grew up on it at the time. It sort of sh- I, I first read Watchmen when it came out. I, I actually read Watchmen from Alan Moore when it was coming out, mm. as in I started taking it as it was coming out as monthly issues. But I'd already read his stuff in 2000 AD and so I went back and got hold of V for Vendetta the moment I could. Um, and read it, so it's very, it's all very eighties, and it's it's all quite important to me. But the film I have issues with, so yeah. Um, and I'm oh, a Wachowski fanboy, so yeah. The thing that uh, really made me laugh was the fact of I was watching a couple of videos on Guy Fawkes, uh, trying to do some research, and my daughter came in and was like, "Mummy, you have that mask," and I was like, "Yes, yes, I do." Oops. <laughs> Yes, there's going to be some lengthy explaining later on. So coming back to the the series, I think two things are interesting here. So um, we've because we've we've actually given people, I think, a fairly broad idea of what's going on in it. Um, so anyone who chooses to watch it, it's currently on Amazon Prime in the UK, yeah. and it's three hours long, and it's it's quite well structured. It's a fairly it is a tough, grueling watch in parts, but in other parts, um, once you get past those opening scenes, there's a lot less gore until you get to the end. Mm. Um, the politicking is interesting. It helps to understand that one of the reasons James doesn't want to go through with um support overly providing over over uh, over being overly sympathetic to British Catholics is because he is also in the midst of trying to ensure continued stability for Britain post Elizabeth and that means negotiating things with Spain in a way that keeps everyone happy. Yes. Because he already has a good relationship with Spain in his in his role as as King of Scotland. And Spain uh, at the time was protectorate of the Catholics. Yes, because and they it's were also, well, it's, super important to Rome as well. Yeah, and they're, they're arguably the superpower of the moment. Yes, you know Britain's on, is become, rapidly becoming one too, but that's why there is this jostling here. Um, this is to do with discoveries in 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 uh, the discoveries. This is to do with the Europeans first encountering the Americas, and Spain, yeah. of course, is starting to plunder the wealth and is therefore it's becoming like rich very quickly. All history is linked up to each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so uh, yeah. Well, talking of links, very briefly, I'm just going to point out to anyone who's doing GCSE. English that if you're doing Macbeth, this is when it's written just after the gunpowder plot. And this yes. one is a, there's, a, there's, there's, there's at least one line that possibly might refer to it. Yes. Anyway, um, so 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 all of these issues precipitate desperation in a group of Catholics who pull it, together to and try and hope for a bit because I think yeah. that's the biggest thing is that they had hope. And then it was taken away from them, and so yes. And in the in the TV, it's they lose that hope both with the king and with Spain itself. Yes. And so they resort to violence. Mm. And 
I have to say that as someone who's taught this a lot, I've seen a couple of very interesting recreations of it. There was a TV BBC series for children for year eights in the nineties um, that was done by uh, David Professor Starkey, and it has I a very that. yep the twenty minute chunks <laughs> yeah. and the re- the reconstruction there is even even that simple reconstruction of the shootout when they catch when they catch and execute most of the the plotters is is incredibly dramatic. You know, even mm. for a kids even for for a TV reconstruction on a tiny budget is really exciting and I remember watching it thinking god this would make a good show and yet now I've seen an inexpensively made show about it I'm like nah a little bit cliched. Oh, look, we're going to do the thing where we all rush out like we're in a Western as brothers together. You know, lots and lots of slow-mo. Um, make sure Kit's hair is flowing, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, that um, is super important. Well, well, yes. But but it's still... Uh, there's a couple of very famous moments that were recorded by the um, the posse, because they were called a posse. We, that was a break yeah. word before the Americans. Um, when, the sh- when, when the sheriff and the posse tracked down and, st- and caught them in the, um, in the shootout at the end, there's at least one moment recorded where one of the surrounding posse shot someone and killed two of them with one bullet one Which bu- uh, basket Rob, ball. Uh, Robert Catsby. Yeah, and the it thing was is... with his uh, closest friend. Yeah, so they and, and they and and because of that 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 um that deputy was given extra was given was given an extra reward and they don't include that moment which I no. think is quite interesting also, that they um Robert Catsby actually crawled away uh, lived long enough to crawl away to the nearest chapel yes, and basically cuddle uh, the Virgin Mary because yeah. he knew theatrics and he was like, I'm dying, I'm doing this. You see, that that is so much more dramatic. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. I think it's a shame that they just do it in a kind of more brutal, you know, Western movie mm. style. But at the same time, I think that's kind of what the audience expect at that point. Yeah. But, but, but so, 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 yeah, before we run out of time, let's talk about the real versus real, because we've just mentioned something that is you know, fictionalized. I think I think there's some very core moments that are very fictionalized that, that make it difficult to as- ascribe as much for something that makes a, a very strong effort to get costumes right, lighting, settings, mm. behaviors, di- discussions, you know, it tries to do a lot. And it gets a lot right in some ways. I mean, I still think there's a lot it gets wrong because it's trying for mood and it's trying for horror. So yeah. um, the massive and Game of God... Thrones styley as well. Yes, yes. And so, and so I think I think for me where it falls down is um, when it chooses to ignore dramatic elements of history, like we just discussed. Yeah. Um, or or to rearrange them, such as. Adopting, adapting the Margaret Clitheroe de- execution for mm. uh, for a new for a new character at the start. Um, I think the need to put some action in episode two, so Wade c- comes across them in the pub and they have the big fight, and then and then Catesby runs off to rescue the priest who's captured from there was from a... Wade, which I was just like, really, that... really. I found out that prison break did happen. But obviously, Catsby oh, wasn't actually involved. It was another oh. de- Jesuit priest who did it. Right. Okay. So, so that's okay. So, and uh, that, okay, so, so it's, it's it's less of an issue, more of a, more of a let's get Catesby to do something because we need to keep him front and centre. Uh, of which there's a lot. Yeah, um, it's inserting him into events that did, uh, that did happen, but he wasn't part of. Which which is kind of what we expect from these fictions that we analyse, but this yeah. one does it to such a degree; it's kind of unsettling. Um, and I think I, so. So, so yes, yeah, so that's not as much of an issue, but it's still a thing. I think um, 
I, for me personally, I think they rushed the ending. Yeah. Um, I mean, they they didn't talk about the Montague letter. They they made it look like Spain warned the Spanish ambassador warned. Uh, sorry, the constable warned yeah. Robert Cecil. And it was still the Montague letter, which is a very important piece, is still in there. Mm. But it's it's it, kind of downplayed a bit. Yeah, and it is handled how it's reported in. I would say the propaganda version of like how it was solved because everyone mm-hmm. was playing it like the king worked it all out when you could obviously see everyone else had already worked it out and they would just go, look, king, work this out for us because you're the cleverest and all that mm. sort of thing. So, yeah, it's... Uh, the Montague letter, for people that aren't quite sure, it was um, a letter sent to um, Lord Montague warning him not to attend Parliament when it opened. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Parliament was going to be dealt with a large blow, and this is the thing, people. And this is what I feel like the this show didn't quite reveal enough of. There was a there was a, there was it mentions it briefly, but there was a lot of concern from people who gradually realised that a terrorist plot was a. I mean, within the Catholic community, there was a lot of people concerned that this was a very bad idea because there were Catholics in Parliament, there were Catholic yeah. lords, Catholic sympathisers. Hence the letter. And I, I, I you know, I, th- I think you're right. I think they, in, 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 they don't. The show is not completely black and white, but they do try to keep it a little bit more kind of. Here are the good guys. Here are the bad guys. Yeah. Also for the audience. Also, we got to remember is that Robert Caspi, although he was suffering with the whole. Uh, starting to go bankrupt and stuff. He was still friends with the king. That he was mm-hmm. scheduled to go hunting after mm-hmm. um, November the fifth. But mm-hmm. if you look at the this program, they were never seen together. They were never. You'd think that he was completely ostracized, which mm-hmm. is partly true. But at the same time, he was still part of society. He still was yes. part of the lords. So, yes. Yeah. I- uh, you know, he's seen as so separate that we never see him involved in parliamentary affairs. As you say, he's part of the Lords. I think that's yeah, yeah. So, so ultimately, what do we think? We're, we're sort of, if we're going to do our usual percentage thing, where would mm. we go on this? It's really hard for this it is, one. isn't it? Because <laughs> my mind's going to a forty sixty sort of thing. But Which I'm, way? That's what I'm not sure of. <laughs> Because I'm not, I'm like it's not fifty fifty. It's forty sixty. But I'm not sure which way it is. And uh, well, shall we go fifty fifty? Yeah, fifty fifty. I think would definitely work for me. Um, because if I look at it as a sort of not just a, the big entertainment drama of the autumn, but of last of a couple of years ago, but also I look at it as a piece of oh, you guys only know some of this history because you did this bit at school. Mm. Let's try and put you there. This is a show about emotions. Yeah. And I think it gets enough right to put situate to make you connect from the modern world to that world. Yes. In interesting ways. I think where it falls down hence the the other 50 is I think it's um far less concerned with um there are there are points in the in the show where the the actual historical reality is less important to the people making it mm. than keep telling a story of good guys versus bad guys running around against trying to track each other and you know in that sense it's a little bit 
in, you know, we, I, I, I personally can't stand Braveheart, and um, uh, some, some of that has to do with Mad Mel's need to do the Catholic thing of look. I have been horribly tortured and killed at the end, like my savior. <laughs> you know, um, as he likes to do. But it, but you know, hanging, drawn, and quartering was horrible, and it yes. was nasty, and you can't escape that fact. And, and so, the crowds did enjoy it. <laughs> yes, and I thought that was quite important. But I, but I, I, I felt like in for, uh, there were interesting moments where I wanted. I kept asking myself, why? Yeah, you know, why are we not looking at the issue of the, the crowds enjoying it? Why yeah. are we not looking at the broader political sphere? We, we've narrowed this down to quite a personal conflict, which is fine because that's what Harrington wants to show us as a drum. It's about Catesby. Yeah. It's about putting Catesby back in the limelight ahead of Guy Fawkes, and I'm okay with that. Because um, what we've got to remember with Guy Fawkes is that he was someone brought into the plot. He wasn't... He was a main plotter, but he wasn't the main plotter. No, he was a, he was a Yorkshireman who went in, who, who who in order to survive as a Catholic went to Europe and um, believed enough to in 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 his faith to join um, Catholic armies and fight, and, and he became a very very experienced mercenary, mm. which is one of the reasons why I like the version of him in this show where he's portrayed as a kind of slightly, you know, psycho. <laughs> super skilled expert guy i mean like when the fight happens in the pub it's re- i like the fact that he's the one who's qua- who, who's skilled enough to fight off wade and the others to mm. give the others a chance to run i thought that was actually for a completely fictionalized sequence i thought that was quite a good way to demonstrate the character like, it's, it's using action it's the thing i like in action movies and action filmmaking where you use action to demonstrate character yeah and I thought that illustrated Fawkes quite well. However, um, I would have liked him have had his, to have had his Yorkshire accent. I always thought Sean Bean... Oh, no, seriously, back in the 90s, I thought Sean Bean was perfect for the role. Mm. Bean, and he dies too. Yeah, well, there you go, exactly. I always thought I always thought a version of it with with starring Sean Bean would have been quite good. Mm. But also, I would have liked to have done a version where we look at this, where we speculate the drama around Fawkes himself. Like, why, if he's raised Catholic in Britain... Why does he leave Britain? Where you know which wars do we think he fought in? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Show the, use him as a way of showing the bigger picture. Yeah, and I, no one's ever done that, and I think that's kind of a shame because I think that's a piece of the. the there's less information to some degree, and therefore that means you can you you can be more fictionalized. Yeah, and speculative, and get away with it. And I think that's that's a shame. Here, I think there's so much material. Um, I feel like the fictionalization elements really stand out like sore thumbs. Yeah, they really... And it, that's my feeling. Yeah, it's just... Especially because this was also made with an American audience in mind because it yes, was Yes, it, it aired on H- HBO. Yeah. Mm. Um, I would assume most Americans, this is just, as I said, assumption have heard of the gunpowder plot, they've heard of Guy Fawkes, but they know nothing about it. Mm. Like, um, they probably don't even know the name of the king that was involved, or what era. Um, They probably picture, uh, when we say blow up the Houses of Parliament, they're picturing Big Ben. Um, Yes, whereas this showed you that 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 that's not how Parliament looked back then. No. It's actually a confluence of palace... You know, cathedral, yeah. other things. It's all kinds of bits and pieces. And also the basement was literally right underneath uh, because they just... It used to be a palace kitchen and they just rented mm-hmm. it out for extra space. Mm-hmm. And so... And obviously security was slightly less lax 
that than it is today around. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's that's an important. This is this is uh, historically, it's quite an important period in the in the in the beginning of the development of a of a modern security apparatus. Mm. You know, there's no MI5 or MI6, but we are. You know, first. Um, Walsingham and then Cecil do put together an interesting network and Wade is you know very much this kind of you know this Jesuit hunter you know yeah. this, this he is you know once he, he chooses to dedicate himself to that role that's what he does mm. you know he goes after it with with, 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 with great passion and, and then I think that's that's reasonably got across and mm. um... It's like, uh, also, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast or out the podcast. Um, <clears throat> Liv Tyler and uh, the priest that they had. Ah, uh, yes. No, that we haven't mentioned that on, on, on air yet. Yeah. Um, the priest ends up confessing to Liv Tyler, which mm. was, is a bit problematic, especially because him being a Catholic priest who's basically sworn off women. Obviously, he's still going to have feelings, but still... And he kind of sacrifices himself for her. Yeah, it does feel very modern, that bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's like, in reality, he hid in a priest hole, which were, priest holes were literally holes that priests go into in the houses. Uh, They could be underground, they could be um, to the side, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, And there is still evidence of these in a lot of stately homes as well, which is quite cool. Um, He hid in a priest hole for eight days. So it's mm. not really that noble of sacrifice. <laughs> it's I, of, oh, yeah. 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 The, the, it's that whole modern thing where we compress things into small moments Yes. that can be performed emotionally rather than look at the bigger picture sometimes, which is can, which frankly I do think is genuinely interesting. Yeah. So, okay. Well, on that note, we agree. Very entertaining, but 50-50. Yeah. Um, Part of our, our, you know, we we, we enjoyed it, but... Yes, I think that is the most important takeaway. It's enjoyable, but don't take this as the, this is what actually happened. Mm. Um, There are a lot of enjoyable documentaries out there that you can find on YouTube. um, Mm. And it is a fascinating piece of history. And that is why the story lives on today, as along with the holiday of gunpowder plot day mm. basically by mm-hmm. fox night um mm-hmm. also uh there is also a documentary that i mentioned to you Hugh, where they took the 36 barrels of gunpowder built a slightly medieval style uh houses of lords and blew it up to find out what happened and it worked <laughs> it worked <laughs> very well <laughs> it was like jeez <laughs> Because they, they they enjoyed sharing that explosion over and over and over again. You could, wow. You could tell that people were like, this is the best job we're built. We're, mm. we're doing the gunpowder plot for real. <laughs> I, I must admit, though, I do enjoy those sorts of history shows. Um, so, okay, uh, we in the last minute then, Jenna, uh, where can people find you? So I'm at Nadesco Kitty on Twitter. And also, I've got to do a big up for the HA, cause, um, which is the Historical Association. It, please find your nearest one and join it, because you can go to a lot more interesting conversations about lots of interesting things. 
Mm-hmm. And then I can be found at UK David on most social media, uh, at 48 Consultancy on most social media. If you're on Twitter and you want to talk to us specifically about the podcast, uh, at 48 Publishing handles that. Uh, otherwise, uh, thank you for listening to us, whether you've been listening to us at Bunkerzilla live or on repeat, or whether you've downloaded us from their Mixcloud page, or you're listening to us much later on on our own SoundCloud page. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you very much indeed, everybody, and we will see you next time.